Greetings, Bat fans, and welcome to episode 51 of I Am The Night. This week we'll be looking at episode 55 of Batman the Animated Series, aptly titled The Mechanic, written by Steve Perry and Laren Bright, with a script by Randy Rogel and directed by Kevin Altieri. And today we meet someone else, an important member of Batman's team from behind the scenes. And speaking of teams and behind the scenes, with me... As always, is the master of the mix, Mr. Adam Ray. Greetings. Yes, I actually kind of relate to this character when you put it that way. I sort of am the mechanic that puts together a lot of the podcasts you're involved with. I have spent many hours listening to our voices, making sure that we sound good for your listening pleasure. But then again, it's nice to actually talk content and talk shop, auto shop. And <laughs> Very good. This is a very interesting character, not a character I really think I'd ever expect to see, just in terms of Batman stories ever. So it was nice to get a very offbeat story and an unlikely hero. Absolutely, and a nice chat to boot. I do like these little small character pieces, but you still get some vintage Batman with... I mean, the whole story with, which starts with the Batmobile chasing the, I guess, the Penguin Mobile... <laughs> With a bunch of hoodlums on the run, running away from Batman. And yay, Robin's back. Yay, Robin. And uh, during this chase and a uh, bridge which opens and closes, the front of the Batmobile gets wrecked. Hmm. I'm very surprised that even after that great wrecking, because it's like a, an elevation bridge, I think mm -hmm. it's called. Yeah. It comes down sort of like crunches the front of the Batmobile. I was expecting like the front to have been crunched in such a way and maybe sort of scissored off, so I'm actually very surprised that the Batmobile could still drive but that's probably just down to its good design and I think it would be pretty embarrassing if Batman had to get a tow no no very good not only that but how tough is that vehicle because like you say had that been any other car hmm. that bridge coming down would have scissored it yeah so again it shows as you quite rightly said the specs the durability the materials used wow what a motor yeah it's uh a very fancy looking tank with fewer guns, I would say. And a lot faster. And a lot faster. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we're both Batman fans. And what other car, apart from. Oh, no. Actually, no, what other car really? Because there are some great, cool cars in Pitching, but honestly, which one really measures up to has the iconic status and legendary lifetime of the Batmobile? Um, the ones that spring to my mind, honestly, would probably be either the Back to the Future DeLorean mm -hmm. kit from Knight Rider. Like, in terms of, like, vis car visuals that are amazing, you've got stuff like your Ecto-1s, mm -hmm. some number of the Autobots. There are lots of good cars in fiction, but they are all on a very equal level of respect, but some of those cars, now that I think about it, either are handled there to handle ghosts or are robots in disguise or are robots built in so there's a level of sort of mystical other to them or mechanical other to them Batmobile's just built for function and built Absolutely. to intendingly pretty but still look functional so there's something magical in about its simplicity that it does the job and it does the job well for Batman for pretty much as long as Batman's been Batman yeah, I would agree with you. Those are all iconic cars. Obviously, I'd also add James Bond's Aston, um, Martin, yeah. Aston Martin and his Lotus Esprit from the Roger Moore years. But let's think in terms of iconic status that Knight Rider, 80s, DeLorean, 
80s. Ghostbusters Ecto 1, 80s. Even Bond only goes back to the 60s. The Batmobile has been around since the 40s and it will be around in whatever way, shape or form forever. So I actually think it's nice to put a little starring role on that vehicle that that we get in this episode. It's really true. I probably, if it ever gets around to me... um writing stories for decent publication in dc and dc if you're listening i am very employable um <laughs> and talented i would very much be interested in doing something that the supernatural guys another iconic car oh baby yes yeah. uh, on a batmobile i love that car you love that car because it is a diet batmobile not even diet it's an it's a gas guzzling batmobile. it's a gas guzzling batmobile yeah. sure but like i say diet insofar as that it's not as tricked out and yeah. covered in weapons is the Batmobile. All the weapons are in the back and that's just for storage. But it's every bit as cool. It's every bit as cool because it's big, black and intimidating. Yes. As the Batmobile should be. But I would say that I've completely lost my train of thought. And you I'll can edit that out. Don't worry. No, 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 no. We'll commit to this. This is this is how we do this show. We're very natural. We don't rehearse anything. But it's good to see that the the car got such a focus in this episode and I remember what I was talking about. If I was ever going to write a story for DC, I would do something that the Supernatural guys missed out on and find some magic or hyper-science of DC Comics to animate the Batmobile as a crime fighter of Batman's power level. Oh, I like that. Like um, when the, the TARDIS, TARDIS came to life and the, the TARDIS came to life. We're so on the same wavelength tonight, I son. Well... I think we're related, and we've been we've been living with each other for as long as I've been alive. So we're very similar people. Somehow, yeah, yeah, yeah. somehow. Can't, can't argue with any of that. But I find that idea just quite interesting. Something that's so familiar to the main character, but is still very distinctly an object. Something them coming to life and then reevaluating their their relationship with it. That's a story that isn't told enough, but I find really interesting. Absolutely. So it'd be interesting to see how the Batmobile does that because then again I'm also thinking of that other visual from a great issue of the absolute show showroom of all of the different Batmobiles that Batman has in the Batmobile so it'd be a case of yeah we could animate the Batmobile which one from the 80 plus years of history yeah and I love those comic books um two that spring to mind were drawn by Andy Cooper and another one by Jim Lee well of course it was where you get these grand panoramic vistas of the lower levels of the Batmobile, of the Batmobile, of the Batcave, and the rows upon rows of different Batmobiles that were there, and the ones that even include the ones that appear in the movies. Like, I just geek out every time I get that kind of a shot in a comic where you get hundreds of Batmobiles all in a row. It's just one of the most beautiful things ever. It is quite satisfying to sort of see that stuff all put together because that means that they... You can tell that the artists and the writers went to the lengths of describing all of the Batmobiles that could be there and illustrating in detail all the Batmobiles that could be there so that they really respect the different sets of wheels that Batman's ever sort of taken himself out with. And even down to the Lego Batman movie, because a lot of the actual like close-up effects were still bricks re-rendered into the PC. So those those, uh, Lego designers did, in fact, build so many different kinds of cars and models for all those reasons because Batman's just gone through so many evolutions so has his sets of wheels absolutely brilliant I've got to talk about though 
the fact that we also see like a prototype Batmobile in this one, mm. where it's the exact car that we get in the animated series, but before it's painted black and it's there and it's like chromium and shiny and beautiful. I really like that. Yeah, I like that too. It would be like if there were ever an analog of steel for Batman. That would be what he would be right. Oh, actually, funny you should say that. For a while, John Henry Irons was a little bit disillusioned with uh, Batman. And in um, a brilliant story called Kingdom Come, he actually becomes more of a Batman-esque type. He's using the same armor and everything else, but with the bat symbol and the pointy ears and stuff. So that has happened. And now you've said it, that's the car I'm giving him. Oh, that's a good thing to have. (laughs) Something something great minds. I'm not sure he would need it, considering he probably flies. Yes, he does. But, you know, yeah. you know, it's just cool. It yeah, works. it's just cool. It works. Or oh, 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 the Silver Surfer Batmobile, but hey. Oh, the, no, that's even more of a stretch. Come on. <laughs> right, so let's talk about the mechanic of the title, Mr. Earl Cooper. And a great story, someone who's in Batman's debt, who is obviously an expert in his field, so hey, to pay my debt and carry on doing my job and bring in money to the household let's design and fix batmobiles that is the part i really wanted to talk about because i love the idea of this character but up until now i honestly didn't think this was a character that ever really needed to exist not not to to take away from the character at all but i honestly thought that a lot of the actual under the hood and invention and mechanics work was just done by bruce alford yep yeah well for many many years it was i mean long before um, Batman Begins and Lucius Fox and Wayne Tech and Wayne uh, Research and Development. There have been other characters in the comics that did design and build the Batmobiles. Obviously, in modern continuity from the Batman Year One era onwards, it was more or less always Bruce and Alfred. But before the Crisis on Infinites, um, it was a chap called Jack Edison who was a stunt performer and car designer who in a stunt that went horrifically wrong was trapped in his burning car Batman saved him and then he became the guy who helped Batman design and build and update Batmobiles but then after the crisis the only other person was a character called Harold Allner and you might remember Harold he was like a hunchback and a mute but he was a genius in tech and with a nice little tie into this episode actually originally worked for the Penguin until Batman saved him and he became Batman's engineer in one reality, he was murdered by Hush, and in the other reality, he still helps Batman on a cave every now and then in the Batcave. So there is precedent for it. But yeah, like you say, more or less, it's always Batman and Bruce and Batman and Bruce, Batman and Alfred. And what can't Alfred do at this stage? If that's the case, it's uh, up to you to interpret how checkered Alfred's past is and. Honestly, I think that mystique of what has Alf- what experience does Alfred have, that to me is as big and amorphous a question that should not be answered up there with the identity and the modus operandi of the Joker. Mm-hmm. I think the more plausible it is that Alfred has done everything, and the more dodgy's not dodgy's kind of a negative word, the more dubious his actions have been the more interested you are in Batman, in Alfred, and the more you see him as an unintentionally enigmatic character. So I like the idea that 
Alfred's got extensive butling experience at Buckingham Palace. I like that he was in the SAS. I like that he, during his time in the SAS, he trained with all of these yogis and practitioners across the world. I like that he has mechanical experience and acting experience. There's no way, his age notwithstanding, that someone could have that much of a broad life experience. Could, but it's still more of a jump of imagination the more stuff you pile onto him. But I'm okay with sort of going with it because he works for Batman and Batman has a similarly wide birth experience. So I'm perfectly willing to buy that Alfred has that kind of car experience. I'm also very willing to see that there is an intense expert out there that Batman has taken on for a, as a live-in mechanic. Brilliant. Love that. Well, let's think about what we've seen of, of Alfred. And we know for a fact he's a field medic. Um, he knows how to dress a wound. And who's to say that when he was in the army and with the SAS, he wasn't a platoon medic and platoon engineer? So that's already, in the military, you can get those kind of specialisations, depending how long you're in the military. But in his spare time, his love is treading the boards, acting, being a thespian, and he's an incredible mimic as well. He's Apparently he can do Batman's voice perfectly and as those of uh, Dick Grayson and sidekicks too because he's got them out of many a hairy situation in the past just by putting on a voice in the darkness. So good on you, Alfred. And you're not even in this episode and we're talking about you. So that's the power of Mr. Payne. Uh, iconic characters are always there in our hearts even if they're not there on our screens. Absolutely. Now, the villain of the piece, Penguin, Oswald Cobblepot. A little bit more menacing and nasty than usual, I think, in this episode. He was handed an opportunity uh, at his feet, and he's taking that with a great bit of pride and superiority, as you'd expect from a villain of his sorts. Um, I can see that. I can see him being a little bit more mean in this episode. He, uh, I could say that the biggest show of that meanness was how he treated that fairly snivelly-looking nerdy guy from the office that provided yeah. them all this information. Snivelly nerdy guys get a really bad rap in this show. Yeah, man. It's our people. What's going on? <laughs> I mean, like, I hope I'm not that meek or timid. Yeah. But meek and timidness needs to be sheltered and helped to grow some assertiveness, not sent down a whirlpool. Yes, and that duck. How many years has he got lots of ducks? Yeah. Uh, has he got his own version of L. Cooper building him new ducks? Uh... <laughs> It'd be interesting to see that. I was kind of, I was kind of expecting the episode to sort of go that way, but um, yeah, if you have, if you have the riches and the bird fascination, lots of duck boats are something that you'll have to claim on your villain expenses. Absolutely, but at least um, this duck boat didn't have a big angry face. <laughs> yeah, nothing expecting it should. Yeah, just quackers. Yes, indeed. Right, so we have seen Batman in this episode um, really bamboozled because poor old Earl, after he's sequestered by the Penguin, he's fixed the Batmobile but also rigged it so that Penguin can control it remotely. Did you love that little tip of the hat, that nod to Batman Returns where Penguin again also remote controls I, the Batman. I really wanted to talk about that. Yes, this is a very similar sort of like plot thread, isn't it? That it's Penguin trying to sabotage the car. Um, feel like it's a done thing to do that a lot of villains would target the car as like a strategic 
point to weakness and try and leverage. And I think it's interesting that it's been Penguin both times because compared to some of Batman's other villains, they are he's distinctly less powered. Yes. So whatever kind of practical advantage he could get over Batman would be the best. Well said. He is, as you quite rightly say, the physically probably the least intimidating but in terms of intellect i rate him as one of the highest yeah he's definitely a master strategist and a great manipulator so that's something he's been able to leverage here he's being able to take whatever advantage he could possibly get and then just sort of like twist the knife so they can get it to his own ends so yeah uh, he's definitely an intellectual match yep any way to get an advantage much like batman himself if we're honest yeah there's a i think that's why they make such good antagonists because they don't fight on a physical sense that that match is not even kind of close but they're both excellent like mental boxing that part sparring partners so i think that's why their uh their dynamic has lasted so long across comics yeah and batman himself has as you well know has been known to say if you can't win clean cheat yep that's a good point of advice perfectly honest something i try to live by at least it's just um or whatever's at hand uh, and that's what makes Batman such an amazing character and an amazing foil for his enemies now I have to talk about some of the bird related jokes um, that always seem to be thrown in with Penguin and the fact that he's got a, a penguin on the hood of his uh, his was it they said it was a no, Cadillac no the limousine limousine that's it, the limousine yeah. And um, when the penguin gets away, the little lines like through the coop and, and stuff like that. Again, little nods, little pieces of silliness that I love about this. It's just them sort of keeping to, we're dealing with these characters. They have such strong motifs and visuals that we really need to play into them. And they're never going to miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity, you know? Absolutely. I trust the writing team to be able to stay consistent with the characters. And they have been the entire time. Very good. And I have to give my tip of the hat to Earl Cooper himself, who really thought on his feet, particularly when his daughter's life was in danger. Obviously, Penguin and the goons use her as leverage to get him to work on the Batmobile, but he still had a failsafe mm. that Batman could pull to save his, his and Robin's skins. And he had a code to let Batman know that something wasn't quite right, that the villains wouldn't catch on to. I think it's a very expected thing for Batman to because Batman's still put quite a high level of trust into this person yes. so he would need contingencies in both senses of if something's gone wrong that's not Cooper's responsibility or is and that's just Batman being the forward thinker and planner and strategist that we all know him for but it's also quite interesting that we see Cooper sort of taking the initiative to do the heroic thing here and Batman still takes a quite a bit of time robin as well trying to figure out what exactly is going wrong mm-hmm. and then sees the forward planning that cooper's put into it so in any sense cooper's the real hero of the story oh no doubt at all i mean the forward planning well said because he didn't just find a way to then stop um, penguins remote control working the ejector seats turned into backgliders how frigging cool was that yeah it's a nice thing to be able to say that I think there's an initial design choice just like in, even in the Batmobile proper not even after this uh, sort of jerry-rigging that Penguin's done with it I feel that an ejector seat into the parachute's effective but if Batman needs to bug out it's because the Batmobile's taking a lot of damage 
but he may still be in pursuit of somebody. Yes. So it being a glider means they can still stay mobile and keep chasing, as we saw in this episode. Which is so cool. So cool, and it makes sense. I like it when something is cool, but also makes sense. Absolutely not. Well, suffice to say, thanks to Earl's quick thinking, Batman and Robin once again save the day, and the villain gets locked behind bars, and lo and behold, what's the job they give him? Making number plates. I remember, I've said quite a few times on this show that uh, I'm going into a lot of these episodes very fresh. I have very little memory for a lot of them, but that one visual of the Penguin looking at the Batmobile's number plate and then snapping it out of frustration, that's a visual I really that really stuck with me since I was little, and I'm really happy I've seen it again now. Fantastic. It's great when that happens because you get that extra little bit of love for the episode from those memories yeah it's just a lovely i think it sums up the whole episode really well just like uh that one visual of the penguin being foiled with a piece of the battlefield there as a reminder of his failure that sums up the result of the episode really really well absolutely again fantastic performances as always from paul williams as penguin kevin conroy as batman and lauren lester as Robin, but we have to talk about Earl Cooper. And again, this show, the level of star power it manages to get never ceases to amaze me. What was I saying to you throughout was, the episode? Uh, I know uh, that yeah, voice. you were saying towards like the, the three quarters mark, you were just saying, like, I know that voice, I know that voice from somewhere. But the, we can count on the voice casting and the voice coaching to be able to get talent great and small across all of Hollywood to be able to voice and breathe life into these characters. So I'm very interested to see where you recognise this person. Well, I don't know if you recognise the actor's name, but as soon as I tell you what he's been in and then hit you with the uh, nerd cred at the end, you, you'll know exactly who he is. Name's, uh, the actor's name is Paul Winfield. Now, Emmy-nominated actor for playing Martin Luther King in the well-renowned 1978 series King. Four Emmy nominations and one win for Picket Fences, but you will know him particularly as the main police guy in the original Terminator movie. Oh, wow. And, and this is when you're going to go, oh, yeah, Captain Terrell, captain of the USS Reliant in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Oh, wow. Chekhov's boss, who oh, gets wow. brainwashed by the little bug things. The little bug things. Wow, that's a, that's a quite a point of personal pride. Yeah, that's a, that's an excellent choice because we get someone who's got the assertive confidence of just like, okay, I'm going to build this this machine for the superhero and I know what's up, but then still have the sort of layered depth of someone who's like a vulnerable and like concerned father for his daughter who helps him around the mechanic shop. Yeah, genius casting choice. Character actor. Character actor. Can't beat them. Absolutely. Right, so again, not like an earth-shattering um threat but a nice tidy well-told story a little like sean on the batmobile and then another one of batman's supporting cast that we didn't know we wanted until we got it i'm very satisfied with the really good character portrait of someone we really didn't expect to see someone i'm glad that is there and has a bigger standing in the comics than we would have expected and someone giving Batman a heroic run for his money. It's nice to see that even with the grandiose vision of Batman, a homespun grassroots hero can actually be the bigger hero of the day. Yeah, absolutely. A home field hero is a hero nonetheless, and he really was one. Really was indeed. No so doubt fun. about it. So, that was The Mechanic, which was episode 55 of Batman the Animated Series. As always, Adam, your 
final thoughts on the episode, good, bad or ugly, what you liked, what you didn't like, your main take. I said it before, I'll say it again, I'm very happy that we got a grassroots hero, someone that I feel like his heroism is the actual, aside from pulling Batman's bat out of the fire right at the end of the episode, just by having the forward thinking of putting that failsafe in, but someone who had the determination to spend a year plus out of his life to be able to design and build that immense oh, yeah. vehicle for him. It's just a wonderful character portrait. Just very effortless, but still gave us a real indication of someone we really like and really want to get to know. Well, Great said. I've always liked, my main takeaway from this is that over the years, like Sherlock Holmes, for Batman to have a network of people rather than do everything himself on Alfred. I mean, everyone said that, yeah, Batman could do it all. Why does he need anybody? I like the fact that Maybe not need, but to have that network of people he's helped and saved and they want to give back to him. Hmm. I love that side of things. But I've got to go back right to the beginning of the episode and again, have a nod and a thank you to the writers because when the Batmobile was chasing down the Penguin's limo and the goon rolled down the window, popped out with his machine gun, I actually thought, what are you thinking? It's the Batmobile, <laughs> you idiot. And then Robin said the exact same thing. Yeah, and I thought, oh, it's, it's fantastic. So he's, he's gunning down the Batmobile. Robin says, are you serious right now? And Batman goes, maybe he's new in town. And it's little things like that. Yeah, there's just the... Yeah, even though they put their lives on the line every night, there, there is a level of the interaction that Batman and Robin have with Gotham City where they can expect, oh, people are just going to shoot the Batmobile even though it's bulletproof. Yeah. People are going to try and punch us even though we know that their punch is coming before they even think about punching me and I'm going to grab it, twist their arm and push them to the ground. The, the What would we would see as terrifying, life-threatening situations yeah. just becomes Thursday night. Yeah, that's it. Standard. Oh, there's quite one this one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What happened? Oh, we got shot out and the Batmobile got crushed. Oh, right. Oh, quite right. one then. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna take it to yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Fantastic. So yeah, another good one. Um, enjoyed it. Um, still dreading more and more and more each passing week to come across an episode we don't like. But hey, it may never happen. And the way things are going, fifty-five episodes in, we're going strong. Uh, I don't think that's likely at the very least there will just come episodes which will be like mm, I don't know, it makes a lot of sense but I'll forgive it for these other reasons yeah. I feel like that's about as negative as it's going to get we've basically fallen in love with this show all over again haven't we and there are worse bits of me to be in love with out there oh, it's true damn straight you're not wrong there brilliant so let's leave that there but before we go as always let the listeners know where they can find you hear you and see your work my work is scattered across the wide digital dimension known as the internet. For Batman and DC-flavoured writing, I review many titles a month on Dark Knight News. But for my one true love, PC and tabletop gaming, you can look to my writing on our creativejoyfantasticuniverses.com and you can look for my writing just about Dungeons and & Dragons and tabletop role-playing games on the Apotheosis Studios blog. For visual media... Turn to YouTube to find me Dungeon Mastering said Dungeons & Dragons games on No Ordinary Heroes and find me playing PC games of all kinds with my dear friends on the Hostile Atmosphere on YouTube. Talk to me on Twitter at Tinker. And you, sir. And please do those things. You'll be glad you did.
with me again twitter el stevo el underscore s-t-e-e-v-o for written work google search steve j ray or fantastic universes and to listen to us this wonderful show the main dc comics news podcast superheroes for dummies on the comics in motion feed and wherever else you want to pick up good shows you can pick this one up and all the other ones on this wonderful network on spotify stitcher apple and google play you can catch dc comics news and dark Knight news on facebook twitter tumblr and youtube but until you do um stay safe and read more comics and watch more batman thank you for listening bye now (laughs) 